0: You're listening to the Healing Birth with Carla podcast and I'm your host, Carla Sargent. For the past decade, I've been working in the field of birth trauma support and education, utilizing my background in midwifery and teaching and putting my passion for story sharing to good use. This podcast seeks to dispel common myths surrounding birth trauma and what it takes to heal. Each week, we'll be spending an insightful and inspiring hour together listening to the stories of people who have journeyed from trauma to healing, and discussing the insights of birthkeepers who support others to heal. Whether you're new to the world of birth, a long-time parent, or someone who has an insatiable appetite for all things birth-related, this podcast offers hope and love, guidance and peace, as together we explore how healing our earth begins with healing birth. But before we grace your ears with today's episode, I'm going to take this opportunity to say that if you're inspired to heal with me, or to train with me, or if you have a healing story that you'd like to share on my podcast, reach out to me via my website, healingbirth.co.nz. In this episode, Sarah, who, like me, is an ex-midwife, and I discuss all sorts of birthy goodness. Sarah shares about how she came to the realisation that the maternity system is seriously flawed and why being a hospital midwife was no longer her calling. She talks about her own birth experiences, from a medicated hospital birth, to a jumping through hoops midwife-supported home birth, and then to a magical yet simultaneously oh-so-normal free birth. We discussed the vital self-work that is required in preparation for an empowering birth experience and so much more. Sarah is now working as a birth doula and runs hypnobirthing classes. Enjoy this candid chat between two passionate birth workers. Welcome Sarah, it's so awesome to have you on my podcast, I'm really excited for today me too thanks for inviting me oh well you're very welcome I can't wait to hear a bit more about your story um I've been following you on Instagram for a while and like many others you've got a you've got a a massive audience so you've got some amazing wisdom to share that's been really well received by a lot of people out there um so yeah super excited to have you come on my podcast and share some of that wisdom with us and I guess uh, for me I want to hear a bit more about your story like how you went from being a midwife um, to no longer being a midwife Um, how you went from hospital birthing to home birthing or free birthing and yeah so I imagine your story might be a little bit like mine. So I'm an ex-midwife as well (laughs) and was really disillusioned by um, what I believed midwifery would look like, feel like, be like um, and the realities of it. And um, so yeah, so please share with us what inspired you to become a midwife and yeah, what was the reality of being a midwife like for you? Well,
1: I decided that I wanted to be a midwife from a very young age, I guess, when I was in high school, my mum got pregnant with my youngest brother when I was 10. And so I was just so interested in in everything about that. And when he was born, I was like his second mum and things like that. So that's kind of where that started off. And then in school, I've always been super interested in like biology and science and the body and things like that. And so when I was deciding what I wanted to do leaving school, my mum mentioned like a nurse or a midwife and I was like, never heard of a midwife before. What is that? And she explained to me what a midwife does and I'm like, oh, my God, yes. So literally from the first class that I had at uni, I just fell in love with the profession. So um, even the medical side of it at that point is what, I kind of liked as well, I guess, at that stage. Um, All my placements, loved them. Being in birth suite, loved it. Seeing babies born, it was just like a miracle happening in front of my eyes. So I think that's kind of what I fell in love with. And even till this day, like I will never get sick of witnessing birth. It's just amazing. And yeah, uh, it's like looking at a newborn every day. Nothing changes, but it's still just beautiful and amazing and, like, inspiring. So um, that was that. Then, you know, being a midwife in hospital, it was like I feel like you you just get disheartened as the time goes on
0: because
1: no. you're, you know what birth is like and you see normal vaginal births that just happen seamlessly and then but they're like, Honestly, we would refer to those births in the hospital I worked at as like a unicorn birth. Because it even to get our um, you know, to be signed off, you need 20 normal vaginal births. And it took like four years for some people to get twenty normal vaginal births.
0: And I know. can imagine, I can imagine, Sarah, that a normal vaginal birth is probably Quite distantly removed even from what we know you know a home birth an undisturbed home birth to look like like normal vaginal birth would probably still entail a number of unnecessary interventions right totally now I when
1: I first witnessed like free birth I'm just like I have never seen a true physiological birth until now yeah yeah And then once I started knowing more about free birth, physiology, physiological birth, all of that kind of stuff, I got such a hit to my ego because I'm like, oh, my God, I actually knew fucking nothing. (laughs) And here, like, again, when I think back, and this is also what people don't understand is that mindset that a lot of professionals have that work in that system in the hospital they're all high and mighty and I know best and I you know I used to come home and be like oh I I done this beautiful birth today that was literally words that I would use and now I'm just like how dare I like the birth was beautiful because I was so good at delivering the baby um so yeah, it was, that was kind of my mindset working within the hospital system, but kind of as time went on, you you start seeing these little cracks and these little flaws in the system. Um, even when I had my daughter, when I, I was a grad, when I fell pregnant and I had my daughter in the hospital that I worked in and I was so like, I knew that I wanted a natural birth, whatever that meant to me at the time, probably a natural birth just meant baby was coming out of my vagina and that was as far as you get um but I had no faith in myself I'm just like how I have never seen a first-time mum come in in spontaneous labor not have any pain relief and just have her baby with no issues I'm like how am I gonna do this you know um but I still had that want um And I ended up having a normal vaginal birth, but I had an epidural and I had my waters broken and I had scent put up and I had, you know, um, scent for third stage and all that kind of stuff. Um, And then I knew for my second baby, as soon as I fell pregnant, I knew like I need to experience a normal natural birth. And I just knew that I needed to have a home birth because that's the only way I'm going to experience that and not be tempted to have this intervention. So I booked in straight away. As soon as I fell pregnant, um, I decided I'm going to have a home birth. And I told everyone that I knew. I told everyone at work. So then I couldn't go back on my word. (laughs) I had my son at home and I did have him through the home birth program at Sunshine, which is a hospital here. And they do a home birth program. Um, and I did still have to jump through so many hoops just to get my home birth as well, and so that
0: was quite exhausting. Describe those. What What do you mean by jumping through hoops to get your home birth? There's so many checklists
1: for a hospital home birth to go ahead. For you to be even, you know, accepted into that program, you need to be really low risk, and that means no previous complications. You can't be over you know, forty two weeks, you can't have gestational diabetes, you have to do the glucose tolerance test, you have to, you know, have ultrasounds. You have to do all these tests to rule out every single thing. And I'm just amazed that women actually get, <laughs> you know, are still in the program towards the end of their
0: pregnancy. Um it's so. everything just that what you called it a um a hospital home birth. Like
1: <laughs> Well, essentially that's what it is. And I was honestly very, I think I was lucky in this instance that my labour was actually really quick and the midwives that came to my house were honestly fantastic. They let themselves in, they sat down, they didn't say a word. They probably checked um, my son's heart rate twice and they just sat there in silence. Um, They weren't hands-on at all unless I asked for something. Um, And, yeah, it it just, it was beautiful and so normal and just, like, easy. And then my maternity leave kind of clashed with COVID as well. So I just, I knew that, firstly, I didn't want to have the um, COVID vaccine. So I knew I wouldn't be able to go back to the hospital because of that. But also I didn't want to be supporting women while wearing a full hazmat suit either. Um, I wanted women to be able to see my face and I wanted to not have to uphold all of these rules either. And that really clashed with kind of my morals, I guess. Um and how I believe women should be cared for when they're in labour. So I just knew that uh, I'm just not going back because I didn't want to be part of that. Right. Um, and then I also did my training to be um, a hypnobirthing uh, practitioner. And that also, I think that was the main thing that kind of took that veil off um, because a lot of the things I learned in that course were things that I should have known
0: as a midwife and I didn't. Things like... Thing, eh? So intriguing. Like, I mean, I, I trained to be a midwife and it wasn't until years and years after I stopped practising, um, I went to a talk that Sarah Buckley gave in, in Auckland here in New Zealand um, and was blown away at what I learned. And I was like, why are we not being taught this in midwifery school? Like, this stuff is important.
1: Yeah, exactly. I'm like, how did I not even know how the uterus worked and the cervix worked? And I'm, yeah, like, how can I call myself a midwife when I didn't even know these basic, simple things? Mm -hmm. And they also, you know, in the course go through, I like talking about the emotional side of labor and birth and the spiritual side of pregnancy and that transformation that you go through as a woman and that, birthing your babies is a rite of passage for women. And again, that is nowhere, you know, it's not even spoken about, it's not even, you know, recognised or acknowledged in the medical maternity system. Um, And so doing that course and then teaching couples and hearing their birth stories after being empowered and knowledgeable and educated, I think that kind of is where it really turned for me. Because right. I was getting feedback from my first time clients, first time mums, um, that they were having natural births. They weren't having epidurals. They were, um, you know, having quick labors and they were, you know, having such beautiful, positive experiences. And at first I was like, oh, how good's that? Like thinking it's just a coincidence. But after a while, seeing woman after woman. Coming to me telling me their beautiful, um, you know, their beautiful birthing stories after being educated and empowered and feeling confident going into their birth, I'm like, wait a minute, this is not a coincidence. Mm-hmm. Like this is how it should be. Um, and then yeah, I've just you just see all the cracks appear and it just kind of my perception of you know, being a midwife in the hospital and the whole medical maternity system kind of just came crumbling down in my head. Um, And it's just been, I think, that personal and spiritual growth as well has, yeah, kind of come into it a lot. And I think that is really lacking in, I guess, the Western culture as well.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, right. When you said about... um your hypnobirthing clients kind of, you know, coming back with these stories of, of really positive and empowered birthing, you know, and you acknowledge that it was like what they were learning was enabling them to have a really different experience to the the births that you were kind of witnessing as a midwife in the hospital. What What education, what pieces of learning do you believe contribute to somebody being able to be empowered in their birthing? I think it really just comes back to the connection
1: and trust that you have in your body. I think with when you birth in, in the hospital or with a, you know, a medical provider, you're outsourcing everything and you are not taking responsibility for your body you're not taught to connect with your body or even know that you know you are the authority this is your body this is your baby you know what you're feeling you know how your baby is no one else can tell you that except you and so I think when women can take that power back and be like it's like this switch just it flicks and they're like oh, so I have everything that I need within me. I have all the ability, you know, to birth my baby and have a beautiful birth because that's what my body's designed to do. When they can connect back to that, I think that is what makes the difference. Mm -hmm. Because when you understand how your body works and you have that trust and faith in your body, you have all the confidence in the world and no one can take that power off you. So I think that really, you know, don't I wouldn't even worry about, you know, or learning the stages of labor or what's the best birthing positions or, you know, knowing how to push your baby out. Like none of that matters. What matters is you need to trust your body and trust yourself and then
0: everything will kind of fall into place after that. I, I absolutely agree. I also want to add that that trust doesn't come easy in a culture that conditions us to have a lot of mistrust in our bodies and in our birthing capabilities that causes us to believe that birth is inherently dangerous and that the safest place to be is in the hospital under the care of medical professionals and that you know birth is something to fear. So part of what I believe is important around coming to a place of trust, you know, being able to get there and really believe in ourselves is unpacking that conditioning, is seeing where those where those fears are coming from, where those beliefs that we've often held onto quite unconsciously, you know, you described it beautifully in sort of saying how you were as a hospital midwife and not understanding, not seeing things for what they were, because you just didn't know any different. And that's, you know, that's what you've been taught and grown up kind of believing or whatever. You don't know what you don't know. And then it takes kind of witnessing somebody standing in their power in birth or, you know, doing your hypnobirthing training and learning about birthing physiology to go, oh my goodness, shit, I didn't, I didn't realize, you know? I think part of what frustrates me so much about, you know, the work I do is uh, in supporting people to heal after traumatic birth. And, and I have incredible success with with supporting people on that journey and go, and them going on to have the most amazing, empowered, positive experiences of birth. You know, like, I feel like it's just it's so special to get to, sh- you know, have people share those stories as well on the podcast and inspire others. But how do we impact people before they have that first birth? You know, because it seems like for so many, the path to empowered birthing begins with them having a, a negative or traumatic birth experience and saying, I, I need it to be different next time. I don't want to go through that again. You know? Have you got yeah. any thoughts around that? How do we how do we impact people? Before, (laughs) so that they don't have to experience trauma in the first instance.
1: Yeah, look, I think that's that's the main struggle, I guess, because, like you said, you don't know what you don't know, and you know, as much as you can, even speaking real now, as much as you tell a person, sometimes people don't really understand until they learn the hard way and that's really sad when you see that happen but i think un- unfortunately that's how it is a lot of the time but when you start planting seeds i think that's where it comes from and women need to know that that you need to take responsibility and the planning of your birth needs to happen prior to you even conceiving like And the work that you were talking about, like you need to do the hard work, being pregnant and having a baby and that transformation, birthing your baby is not easy. It is not meant to be easy. It is the hardest thing that you will ever do in your life. It is the most intense pain that you will ever feel in your entire life. And you will be pushed, you know, not even to your limits. You will be pushed so far beyond your limits. You can't even conceive what what that is like. And so the work that women need to do is massive. It's huge. And I think that needs to be acknowledged um, and having that support system as well and having people, you know, like us preaching this. And so, you know, I have I've had clients, you know, first see me, you know, they're having a hospital birth, they're definitely having an epidural and, all this kind of stuff but once you they start learning and you start planting seeds in their head their mindset changes over time and it's those women that are now have booked in to have a home birth with me so absolutely um,
0: yeah hey podcast listener i'd love a moment of your time to briefly share with you about my online soulful birth series This is a holistic birth and postpartum preparation course, a beautifully curated alternative to mainstream antenatal classes. We hop on a Zoom call together each week for eight weeks and discuss all the juicy and important pieces of birth and postpartum preparation. Self-work is a crucial component of the course and numerous guided meditations and journal prompts are given to you as a member of the Soulful Birth Tribe. It doesn't matter where in the world you are, whether this is your first baby or your 10th or even whether you're pregnant yet. If you want knowledge and know-how around planning for the birth and postpartum that you deserve, this course is for you. Check out the link in the show notes. I'd love to work with you. The next round of Soulful Birth starts on September the 13th. Yeah, I love that. And and I think the shared story is so powerful as well. You know, um, like the more that we can get these stories of positive and empowered birthing out there that is, you know, doesn't have any unnecessary interventions going on. You know, there are stories where people don't say, and then the midwife arrived, and at that point I was five centimeters dilated because. They don't share that because they don't know that because there's no vaginal examination being done because why would they need one you know like this this was really important to me actually when i um i compiled the book of new zealand homebirth birth stories um and published it back in 2013 inspired by Ina Mae's um Ina May gaskin's book spiritual midwifery i love the stories in that book um and I was really, really selective about the stories that I included because I didn't want people to read stories and hear things like that, like, you know, and I was seven centimeters dilated or whatever, because it's it's those messages that we take on without even being aware that tell us we need somebody else to be monitoring the dilation of our cervix in order for you know birth to be safe or to monitor progress or whatever so i was so selective i was like there are stories with interventions in them but they're not unnecessary and sometimes births require intervention and you know it's where it's awesome that we have professionals and equipment and understandings that enable us to safely birth babies when birth becomes complicated um but and it's such a massive but there is just a phenomenal amount of unnecessary interventions taking place, of needless trauma being caused in the wake of those interventions. And that trauma isn't just a, like, shit, my birth was fucking horrendous and has left me feeling like shit about myself. Um, That has very real ongoing consequences, sometimes for a lifetime. I mean, if people don't come across... The, the work or the likes of you and I, you know, um, and others who are doing this sort of important work in, in, the, in the birthing sphere, they might, for the rest of their days, believe that they had some faulty birthing body, that they failed at birth, that they failed their baby, that, you know, they were never cut out for motherhood. Uh, They might have ongoing issues with bonding and connecting with their child for the rest of their days. Their marriage might have fallen apart as a result. You know, like, this this has very real ongoing consequences. The leading cause of maternal deaths in New Zealand, as it is in other places in the world, is, is suicide. You know? Like, we are doing an atrocious job of, of recognising the importance of the holistic nature of birth, of the importance of, you know, holistic safety in birth. Not just physical safety, but mental and emotional and spiritual and cultural safety. And until we understand, like, I love, you know, you raising the whole rite of passage, you know, birth is such a potent rite of passage. And um, until we start to really acknowledge that and you know, treat birth and birthing women with the respect and honour and love that they need to work through that really momentously challenging time in their lives, then we are, you know, we're going to continue to see lots of issues in our society that need not be there. Yeah. Well, that was quite a rant. I'm,
1: Can you know, I? but it's, it's, it's so big and I feel it like, I feel it so deep as well. Mm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's your postpartum is, it's your whole life. So, and you know, women will, will come to me and be like, Oh, you know, am I, am I stupid for spending this much on my birth or saying that, you know, a home birth's too expensive or this is that. And it's like, well, How much do you value your mental health? How much do you value, you know, your bond with your baby? How much do you value your body? How much do you value your self-worth and your self-esteem? You know, because your birthing experience, you don't have a 100 of them in your life. You have maybe one, two, maybe three, sometimes four, you know. Um, You don't want to have any regrets when it comes to that. You know, you want to make sure that you're putting in the work. You want to make sure that you're supported with the proper people as well. And, you know, like you said, um, tearing down all that conditioning and that fear. The fear comes from the conditioning. Um, And a lot of the time it's just unnecessary fear because the things a lot of women have um, fear about is not anything that they even need
0: to worry about generally. You know? Yeah, or they or they might have fear, for instance, around um, you know, birth being horrifically painful and their friend who, you know, had this induction of labor and was just an excruciating pain and it took hours and hours for the epidural to to come and you know, like hearing these stories and which lead us to believe that we're not innately designed to be able to cope with the degree of pain that we feel in birth without understanding that so often things like excessive pain that requires an epidural is caused by the interventions. It's not caused by the birthing body, right? Like a physiologically birthing body is designed to give you all the things you need the internal resources to be able to cope and get through those massive challenges
1: and also being prepared for that that is part of birthing your baby but you you know if we build women up and be like yes it's going to be hard but you are so capable you have all the ability to be able to do that. You're so capable to move through that, to go through that. That's what you're designed for. Um, women aren't told that, you know. They're just like, it's okay because I will save you. You don't need to worry about that. You don't need to feel that. You don't need to go through that. You don't even need to know about that because I'll tell you everything and I'll save you from that and I'll keep you and your baby safe. So,
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack, right? Because uh, yeah, we're, and we're it's so much that we're unaware of that we've taken on board as well. I think, yeah. Um, I would love to hear. You said that um, you got to witness a free birth, and that was uh, that really opened your eyes up to what what birth can and should, in, in my opinion, anyway, um, be like. You know, for the vast majority of people who are birthing what enabled that how did that come about and at what stage in in your journey were you when you um, witnessed
1: a freebirth so after doing the hypnobirthing classes for a while i kind of really got fomo about not not being there i'm just like oh i wish i was there to witness that you know again coming from my you know midwife background i want to see i want to do like i want to be there i'm not needed but i just want to be there Um, so then I'm just like, you know what, now I'm going to start offering doula support because yeah, I just want to, I want to be there. I want to witness women in their power. I loved it. Mm -hmm. Um, and then one of my clients, it was her third baby. She had a traumatic hospital birth She had another hospital birth with a private midwife and it was much better because she did have that support um, and someone being like, if you don't want to do that, don't do that um, kind of thing. And then this time she's like, I don't even want to go to the hospital. Um, What can I do? And I'm like, just have your baby at home, (laughs) you know. Um, And it was like she had the bare minimum, you know. There was no birth pool. There was no, you know... Timing contractions, there was no this, there was no that. It was just like, I came, she had her baby, she went back in bed and see you later. Like, it was just, and I find free births, like, they're so simple. Like, even my birth with Louie, it's so, when you just take back all of those unnecessary things, it is the most simple thing in the world. Like, it just, it will happen. And it happens and it's kind of like a, just another day. Like it's just a boring old day, but something amazing has happened. Um, and just like the simplicity of it all, that's, I think, what amazes me the most. It's like, women don't need anything. You can be in a room by yourself and you will have your baby. Like it's as simple as that. Um, And that's kind of what frustrates me as well because there's so much going on, even hospital births or home births, there's so much going on when you don't need anything. Hmm. You just need to feel safe and supported and, you know, comfortable.
0: What is the difference in your mind between home birth with a midwife present uh, and pre-birth?
1: Um, Again, and, like, no shade to private midwives, um, but, you know, and if they're honest, they will admit it as well, midwives, private midwives are still bound by their registration. They still have rules to follow. And if it comes to supporting, you can't support a woman authentically when you are still bound by your registration. Because if a woman wants to go past 42 weeks or her waters have been opened for longer than three days, um, the midwife has rules to follow based on her registration. Even if she does not care about it and she's happy to support that woman with whatever she wants that's outside of those rules, it doesn't matter because if she wants her registration, I believe that the vast majority of private midwives will not put the woman before their registration. Right, and it's an it's just an unfortunate truth, and I don't like you know, um, angering people or triggering people, but I uh, that is the truth.
0: Well, the truth needs to be told because how can Birthing people make informed choices for themselves if they don't understand the realities of the choices that they are making or they don't know the questions to be asking their care providers, you know if if my if I go past forty two weeks, will you still support me to birth you know support me to birth at home um is is an example of a question you might want to ask um, a prospective midwife.
1: Right. Or, you know, some women, what if I don't want to have ultrasounds during my pregnancy? Yeah. You know, what if I don't want to be monitored at all during my labor? What if my baby, you know, decides to turn at the last minute and I'm pushing in baby's breech? You know, a lot of these things aren't kind of considered by a lot of women when they're having home birth. And unfortunately, another thing that I commonly see is that The most trauma that I've seen from women after their birth experiences have come from women that have planned a home birth with a private midwife and have ended up transferring into hospital. Um, And they're the ones that experience, to me the most trauma because at the last minute, either their midwife has been planting seeds of doubt because their labour has been, you know, longer than the norm or their waters have been open for a certain amount of time or they've been, had uncontrolled early pushing, things that are kind of a little bit outside of the norm but still normal to me. Um, the private midwives have kind of seen that as a bit of an emergency and then planted those seeds of doubt and then, you know, sabotaged the birth. Hmm. Mm.
0: Mm. Yeah, I I wonder if um I mean I know that no matter where in the world you are, there will be midwives, radical midwives who fully support, you know, autonomous birthing. Um and will yeah, will choose <laughs> will choose that over over their registration. Uh and and maybe maybe we have more of those sorts of midwives here in New Zealand because I hear less stories I guess of of home birth plans being foiled by um by a a midwife who interferes you know because of fears around her registration or um that sort of thing um so you know I guess I just want to put it out there that there are definitely midwives who do support physiological birthing who do support choices in birth and who will stand by their clients but yeah you do need to be really ensuring you're on the same page it's kind of hard if you get too well down late in your pregnancy or your, you know your iron level's low or the baby is you know showing to be big on the scan or like oh god there's just any you know, countless reasons why your home birth suddenly is you know thrown into like question um, you know, like you, you don't want to be learning at that point in the piece that your midwife is no longer going to support you to birth at home uh, if you're still wanting to birth at home. And um, so, yeah, that that's really important to establish early on in the piece. Um, yeah,
1: definitely. Yeah, asking all those questions because, like you said, it's not
0: all private midwives. There are some
1: amazing private midwives. Um, it's about, yeah, the knowing where they draw the line I guess and what they're willing to support and what they're not willing to support and things like that Mm. Um, not just assuming that oh because I've you know I'm having a home birth and I've got a private midwife you can't just assume that everything's gonna be perfect and you're going to be supported the way you want to be supported and that's the same with even not even just private midwives it's the same with doulas and birth keepers it's the same with any kind any person you're having in your birth space you have to really pick them
0: carefully mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes so true I think possibly you know two of the most important decisions to be thinking about um from from the get-go um uh who do I want to have present at my birth and where do I want to give birth your birth environment, and that includes the people and their energies and their, you know, histories and their philosophies that they bring with them, um, that that's going to impact how safe you feel or not in birth. And safety, that feeling, that sense of safety in birth is what's going to get your baby born most easily and safely and joyously. So, yeah, so what about what about those first time mums who are like there's no fucking way I'd feel safe to free birth you know like what but I want to have a physiological birth I want to have a positive and empowering first birth but free birth just that sounds like next level to me what would you be saying to somebody who's in that position yeah, I guess that's fine. And
1: rebirth is not for everyone. And even home birth is not for everyone. If if a woman is absolutely terrified to birth at home, then that's not going to be good for her or her labour either. So it's all about whether the woman feels most safe and comfortable. In saying that, I do think it comes down to lack of knowledge and education. Um, when women Really want that natural physiological birth, and they learn the best way or the easiest way they're going to get that. They come to the understanding that if I want, if I truly, really, really want that birth, I know that my best chance is going to be at home. And I have clients that birth in the hospital, but we go through the limitations that that is going to bring in their birth and their labor. And they understand that. Like I have clients I say, I know if I go to hospital, I, I know that I'm going to be, you know, um, I know that there's going to be interventions um there and I might be pressured at some points and blah, blah, blah. I get that. And I'm just like, cool. As long as you know that and you're happy to take that on, then that's what you're going to get in hospital. Um, So I guess it's just, it's about that awareness and that education. But if women truly truly the women that truly really want that physiological undisturbed birth they don't have a problem with birthing at home
0: Mm. yeah yes you can't really have that um physiological undisturbed birth in a hospital a hospital is it's not home it's not it, it is gonna there's gonna be interventions and I kind of want to use air quotes around that because they wouldn't be seen as interventions but just the very fact that you're leaving the safety and comfort of your home you're having to travel in a car when you're you know potentially in intense labor you're walking into an environment where you might hear other other laboring women in pain and in fear or there's strangers in that space. There's perhaps bright lights or odd smells. These are all things that are gonna impact what your brain is reading as, hmm, this doesn't feel like the safety I felt <laughs> at home, you know. <laughs> um, but you're right, some there will always be some people who for whom they they learn all this stuff and you know, they feel safest being in that hospital or they yeah, they won't feel safest being in their home. And I, I wholeheartedly believe that wherever we feel safest is where we need to birth our babies. We, we need to make the decisions that feel safest for us. But I also, like you, um, think that that mm, sense of safety will change depending on your depth of knowledge um, around that stuff that we've been talking about Um so unpacking what where your beliefs and fears have come from a, around um, birth um, and uh, understanding birthing physiology, understanding how our innate design to, to birth, you know, unpacking those stories that we've heard out there um, of, of traumatic birth, you know, and it's not often described, that word isn't often put with it. But rather, that's just how birth is, you know? Um, Yeah, so, yeah, kind of, there's a lot of, and I like that you've referred to this a few times as well, there's a lot of work that needs to be done um, in order to, uh, to get to a place of understanding and really appreciating what you need in order to safely, most safely birth your baby.
1: You can have a nice birth at a hospital it's like not all births are horrendous and
0: traumatic
1: um yeah it all depends on
0: that why do you want to share with us a little bit about um so so your second birth were with i'm trying to remember oh raf's birth was a home birth with a private midwife and then you said Louise's birth was a free birth um yeah what were, were those experiences very different for you or um, is there anything you want to share about um, any of your birth experiences that might just be fun or inspiring <laughs> for us to hear? Yeah.
1: Um, so with Louis, um I also had a wild pregnancy um, apart from one ultrasound that I had, um, and I feel like it's the pregnancy that kind of changed me the most, I guess. Um, and I think that with all, with my other pregnancies, I I had appointments with midwives or doctors and I listened to, you know, their heartbeat and I got my ultrasounds and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But with Louis um, and I didn't realise it until it was happening, um, I couldn't, rely on anyone or anything else to kind of tell me how my body was going and how my baby was and so knowing that subconsciously you are so much more in tune with your body and with your baby and that connection is so much stronger I felt Louis move like so much earlier than I felt Charlotte or Raph Um, I reckon I started feeling him at like 10 10 weeks or something like that or 12 weeks or, you know, something ridiculous like that. I was just like, it can't be that. And I'm like, I know what, I was even doubting myself. And I'm like, no, I know what movements feel like. Like I'm literally feeling a baby move inside me. Um, When it came to, you know, even just being on top of my my cravings or my aversions, like I, I knew exactly what my body needed when it needed it. I knew what supplements I needed to take. I knew what foods that I needed to have. Um, I knew, you know, that Louis was okay. Every single day of my pregnancy, if I wanted to feel him move, I would just literally close my eyes and ask him to move and he would move. Um, I knew like a day before I was going to go into labor. Like I knew when it was going to happen. I knew how it was going to happen. Um, you're just so much more conscious and aware of your body and your baby. And I think that is the massive difference that I felt with Louis compared to Raf and Charlotte. And then in my birth, I was so aware of everything. Like I felt every surge, I was visualizing my you know, my cervix opening and him moving down, like I could literally see it in my head happening as it was happening. And I wouldn't, because I was so in tune and so trusting of my body and just in that transformation and I honestly just 100% wholeheartedly surrendered to it, I wouldn't even explain it as painful. Like I don't don't think that my labour was painful at all. Um It was, yeah, so powerful yet so just, like, nothing, you know. And he was the first baby that I, you know, pulled out myself. Um, So that was also, you know, such a powerful moment for me as well. Um, But, yeah, it's just it's something that you can't even describe, you know.
0: Mm But I do love this description. Like I this is this is powerful. This is beautiful hearing this. I think what I'm hearing is a key difference between your, you know, your monitored pregnancy, your your midwifery care pregnancy, um pregnancies versus uh, you know, your wild pregnancy. Um, that is that that taking on full responsibility means that you become very in tune with your body's messaging you become very um, communicative with your baby and listening to what comes through from them and they're listening to you too Um, and you and you through that process you are developing an ever-growing sense of trust in yourself to know your needs and this is what this is what equates to empowered birthing because when we have full trust in our ability to birth our babies without the need for any outside interference that's when birth when birth happens you know you were saying before you know birth happens and it's like it's become my my catch cry at the moment birth happens you know it will happen it will happen we just need to get out of the way of ourselves and we need to stop letting other people's fears Get in the way of us birthing, the way that we innately know how to birth. Hey, podcast listener, I'd love a moment of your time to briefly share with you about the Healing Birth Practitioner Training Program that I offer. This is an intensive 10 week program held online where I teach you all the skills and knowledge required to be able to effectively and confidently support others. To find healing after they've experienced birth trauma. Essentially, I'm teaching you to do the one-on-one work that I've been doing for the past decade. If you're already a birth worker, I consider this training an essential part of what you need to know to provide truly safe and supportive care. But also this training is for anyone who has an interest in birth trauma support work. If you want to become a certified healing birth practitioner, Jump onto my website link in the show notes for more details and get in touch with me to have a chat about whether this course is a good fit for you. The next training commences on October the 9th.
1: And that's like not to say that I, you know, didn't put in any work as well. Like I put in a a shitload of work, a shitload of like personal, really deep down work i had fears that i had to you know work through during my pregnancy with louis um everyone has fears that they have to work through so uh, i the work that you know i'm telling women that they have to do i done myself as well i had fears that i had to overcome um so it's not just all like butterflies and rainbows like you know you're still doing the work and that's why these things happen so beautifully because all of that hard work pays off. You're not going to have this, you know, beautiful, ecstatic birthing moment without all of this hard work that's there. Like that's why you have that end result because of that hard work that you've gone through.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. Can you, do you feel okay with sharing with us what that work looked like for you? You said, you know, you you had your own fears come up. We all we all would. Um, what? how working through doing that work how that looked for you what that entailed for you yeah so I
1: originally I didn't want any ultrasounds um but my partner wanted ultrasounds um and we had many many discussions over like weeks and weeks and weeks um and I kind of just had to think does it mean more to me not to have an ultrasound than it means to him to have an ultrasound? He had his own reasons for wanting an ultrasound to just make sure that the baby had all their arms and their legs and there was no, like, you know, Down syndrome or anything like that. Um, and that was fair enough. That was his. And I'm just like, I know that there is nothing wrong. But I went against my own kind of beliefs, I guess, and what I, my wants. And I did get an ultrasound at 20 weeks and found that I had a velamentous cord insertion. Do
0: you want to describe what that is
1: for, for people who are listening? Yeah, so it's when the umbilical cord vessels run through the amniotic sac. So the baby's vessels are, are more exposed um, than they would be if it was directly connected into the placenta. Um, yeah, so I had fears around that. And again, like if I didn't have that ultrasound, then... I would have just innately known that everything was fine because it was, um, but instead I went against it and incidentally found that there was a velamentous cord insertion, and that was one of my fears for my whole pregnancy. And you know, working through that for me was like, I'm not going to birth in a hospital, you know, just because of a maybe. But I also had to take on that responsibility that if, you know that cord was close to the cervix and my waters broke and that cord, you know, was impacted by that, then that would mean that I would lose my baby. So that was the reality of that situation. Um, And I, you know, that was something that I really had to work through and be like, well, what would I do in that situation? Let's just imagine that that happened. What would I do? Um, would I want to change my birth, like the planning of my free birth just because of that? No. And so that was a really strong feeling that I had, like, I'm not going to change my birthing plans because that there might be a chance that that might happen. I was not willing to compromise my birth for that maybe. And so on the other side of that, I had to take, like, I had to acknowledge that Well, because I'm still going ahead with my free birth, if that happens, that's on me. And, again, I think, you know, something you have to work through as well is your relationship with death. Yes. Um, And how that looks for you. So what would happen if, you know, I did have a free birth and my baby died? Um, How would I feel about that? would I change, again, would I change my birth plans just because that is a possibility? Again, no. If anything was going to happen, and the same thing goes with like me not wanting to do any tests or anything during my pregnancy or ultrasounds, because for me, if my baby was not compatible with life, um a decision i would make is i don't want to be in a hospital having an induction birthing my baby and then having them pass in the hospital i would want to birth my baby naturally let nature take its course because if baby's not compatible with life generally you wouldn't make it to the end of the pregnancy nature will take its course i will birth my baby and my baby will pass with me with our family at home like nature has intended mm-hmm um and it's all these questions and like scenarios that i had to go through myself to then understand what i was willing to do and what i wasn't willing to do and what i was willing to compromise and what i wasn't willing to compromise and then fully knowing that if something happens it's my responsibility and that's on me mm-hmm. and i think that's something that's not taken into account um within the system because women have to understand that what you do only affects you and your baby. So don't let anyone else make the decision for you because you have to live with that decision. So you would rather live with the decisions that you make for yourself and your baby rather than living with the decision that someone else makes and not having closure or having that like, well, what if I just did this instead of that, you know? So that, you know, full-on responsibility that you have to take is a lot to kind of process as well yeah
0: yeah I I talk about this a bit you know like that that is one of the key reasons I think that people um do outsource their power um and you know like Yeah, listen to the what the advice is around how you know and do all the tests and this and that is because it feels really really scary to take responsibility for making the decisions that feel right for you versus handing over that responsibility and saying well they're the experts they know best I mean, yes, they there is particular expertise that these professionals have, but nobody knows your body better than you do, and nobody knows your baby better than you do, and nobody knows what you most need in order to feel safe than you do. So, yeah, take on board, you know, if, if there's something untoward going, going on with your pregnancy or whatever, then you would seek, um, you know, medical support or others advice and you take that you take that into account but yes when we become pregnant we are from that moment forward a a, a parent for the rest of our days and it is a massive responsibility and actually you know like once that midwifery care has ended you know four or six weeks postpartum or whatever you haven't got anybody else there telling you what decisions to make around whether to you know, vaccinate your baby for this, or, you know, is your baby too hot or too cold, or, uh, you know, your baby's got a temperature, at what point do I take them into the hospital? You know, like all these, there's countless decisions that we have to make for this other human being because we are their parent, and that begins at conception. So start practicing that responsibility in your pregnancy by getting knowledgeable about the things that about the decisions that you need to make in your pregnancy. You know, instead of just doing it because they tell you to do it or because that's what my friend did or whatever, like, no, you're, you start taking responsibility because you're this baby's parent and you know their needs better than anybody. Actually, I want to reflect for a moment on your description earlier of, you know, Louise's birth of, of, um, I guess rebirth, that it's just so like normal. Uh this there's, there's this crazy paradox, right? Where it's this this crazy magical um occasion, this this awesome celebration. And at the same time, it's just another day. <laughs> it's just another day in family life. We, you know, we had a baby and oh my fucking god, we had a baby. Like there's it is this awesome kind of, yeah paradox um but i do love that 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 it's it is so normal it's giving birth like you know it happens for hundreds of thousands of people every day on this planet and it has done throughout you know the history of humankind like birth happens we don't kind of you know look at those farm animals outside and and freak out like oh my gosh oh my gosh another birth what well, kind of do i do anyway um but you know it just happens right <laughs> it just happens birth happens um so yeah i i love that kind of just bringing it back to it is just so normal it's not something that we need to get our knickers in a knot about yeah um we can just trust our bodies will tell us what we need to do when we need to do it you know how will i know when to push if somebody doesn't tell me that i'm fully dilated <laughs> these sorts of things like and when we unpack those sorts of that messaging that's out there it's like hang on a minute like do the sheep need to be told when to start pushing
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i think it's yeah when you like so many of people and it's the dads, honestly, the dads I love the most because they just get the most from the education and they just they love it. And they're like, oh my God, like until you actually explain it, like, well, why do they do that then? Like why would they do that? And I'm like, my guess is as good as yours. I don't know. That's why I'm asking the question. <laughs> um it just clicks. Mm-hmm. But until you and like if you're not told that, then you don't really know how to go from A to B. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. yeah, but once you really kind of pinpoint how ridiculous some things are, then people are just like, oh, like I never thought about it like that before.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Sarah, what would you like to share with us about uh, if somebody wants to work with you, Um, How can they do that? How can, like, uh, uh, my advice, um, if you are not living in the same vicinity (laughs) as Sarah, um, she's in Melbourne, Australia, um, is, you know, first and foremost, get on her Instagram page, because there is, and, you know, read back through or listen back through the reels and all the amazing wealth of free information and support you offer up through your Instagram posts. But yeah, if somebody's in Melbourne and they want to work with you, how can they do that?
1: Yeah, um, either just emailing me, uh, which I have my email on my Instagram page or just a direct message in my Instagram and we can chat from there. Personally, I know some people don't prefer direct messages. I actually prefer it Um, It's just a lot easier than the back and forth on email. Mm -hmm. Um, And with the work that we do, it's not professional, like it's personal work. It's professional, but I think it's more personal. So it makes sense to communicate on a more like personal level. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so Instagram is generally where it's at. I don't have my um, website up and running yet. That's still in
0: the works, Um, but yeah. And so you you offer doula care, but do you also still do hypnobirthing?
1: Yeah, so at the moment I'm doing hypnobirthing classes every couple of months or every few months, Um, and I do lots of advertising for those classes, so you'll always know when one's on. And I also, yeah, provide uh, doula support. Um, I don't really call myself a birth keeper because I was a midwife Previously. Um, So I just prefer calling myself a doula. Um, I don't want people to hire me because I was a midwife, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so I provide doula support for hospital, home, and free birth. Um, But I do, you know, put more time and effort into um, getting free birth clients because I think that's where I'm kind of. Drawn to the most.
0: Cool. And with your hypnobirthing courses, are they in person or online? I have done Zoom classes, so they're always
1: available. Um, But most classes that I do are in person and either private or group classes that I run.
0: Okay, awesome. Oh, well, thank you so, so much for getting on here today and sharing all your wisdom with us um for you know it's just awesome having a conversation with a a like-minded um birth worker um so yeah thanks so much sarah well thank you for inviting me um and yes it's
1: good we could probably talk all day honestly and thank you for all the work that you do i put so many women onto your page and seek out your support so um thank you for what you do as well oh
0: cheers sarah all right have a beautiful day i will you too enjoy if you enjoyed that episode please spread the love by sharing this podcast with others and ensuring you subscribe and hit that five star review and if you'd like to connect with me you can get hold of me via instagram at healing.birth and through my website, healingbirth.co.nz. I would love to hear from you, whether that's so you can share feedback or suggestions, or because you're potentially interested in healing with me, or training with me to become a Healing Birth Practitioner. Let's do it. Aroha nui, you beautiful people.